Have you ever looked at your job or looked at your giftings or your skill sets and wondered, how in the heck am I able to use this for God? I'm a plumber or I'm an artist or I'm a teacher or I'm a whatever. And some jobs and skills, it's easier to see how there's impact. And some that are super practical, it's not always easy to see how you can use that to the glory of God. Well, in today's episode, my guest Donna Chance and I talk about the concept of the seven mountains of influence in any culture and society that shape the way people think and how to use what God has put in your hands and in front of you to do just that so that you do have a massive impact right where you are. Let's jump in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here at Java with Jen. Today's episode, I have a guest named Donna Chance, who has been a longtime friend of mine, and she has played a really pivotal role in the background of encouraging me, praying for me, and supporting me with this podcast, actually. Donna is vocationally a realtor, but she's also the director of Engaged, the arts ministry at One City Church in Beaumont, Texas. She went to Lamar University, where she majored in business and minored in writing, and she also studied in many different art museums and while while she was there because she knew that it was in her to do this and she wanted to be a faithful steward of her giftings. She never dreamed, however, that she would be doing what she's doing now by having a hand in the arts mountain of culture. So Donna, let me welcome you to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So I've already said a few things that my listeners are probably like, what? What's that? Seven Mountains? Engaged Arts Ministry? The Arts? What? And so um, let me help tie, tie and connect some dots for you guys. So you'll hear some phrases about the seven cultural mountains or the seven mountains of influence in culture. Donna will explain that in a moment. And the Arts Mountain refers to like arts, media, entertainment, all of that, but there are seven mountains that shape a culture. Donna specifically has a heart for the arts, but she has a heart really for all of the mountains. Donna is actually was a key person in last week's episode, my guest, Christina DeRosa, who's an actress, in her coming to know the Lord, because Donna was praying for her, supporting her, reaching out to her as I was praying as well. And we'll we'll get into that whole story, but Last week's episode and this week's episode are connected. So hang in. We've got a ride. We're going to explain all these things. So Donna, why don't you jump in with a little bit of an explanation about Engaged, and that'll probably lead us into explaining the seven mountains. Okay. Well, for me, um, I was hearing around 2015, I started seeking the Lord about what I was supposed to be doing. I had already done that in the 90s and got a few different um, leadings and none of them about the arts but about helping people find their places of purpose and also a little bit about being in a ministry that would involve reclaiming ground and so I had written that in my prayer journal but I was just kind of seeking the Lord and um, as I did that four or five different very specific things happened to me to nudge me in the direction of the arts and I'd already taken a lot of it in college because I felt led to do that. And so it all just kind of gelled together 
to make sense. And so I went to my pastor and asked him if we could begin engaged arts ministry. And it is about the arts, but even more than that, it's about artists that are climbing these different mountains on entrepreneurs, creatives, techies, anybody with um, just sort of creativity in them. It made sense that you be in, you get inspired by the Lord and you use that for the Lord. And yeah. so I started the ministry and it's been going since 2015. That's amazing. So now let me, let me make a connection for my listener to this topic to begin with is some of my listeners are like thinking I'm not in the arts. Why would I care about this topic? What would you say to the average person about why they should care about the seven mountains of culture? Well, I love what Lance Wall now says, and it's kind of harsh, but it really hit me hard. He said, while the church was crying out for revival, the culture is what disciples your children. And that is so true. And it really hit me because even if we try to protect them as much as we can, they get exposed to culture at school while they're out playing with friends. It happens. So the most I feel like if we can help Christians get equipped after salvation, of course, and after discipleship, get equipped, figure out what it is their gifting is. And that doesn't always translate to a job. It can be something you do on the side. It's just being a good steward of your gift. Enough Christians in culture will impact culture. And that helps everyone. I mean, you and I just helped plan an event that it, that it ended up being a very uh, fun, entertaining day, but it had a Christian bend to it. And so either that kind of stuff is going out into the culture or darkness. I have found there's not a lot of in between in this mountain. So I would get involved for the next generation. I would get involved for to be a Christian influence, to be light in the darkness. That's another reason we do it. Yeah, y'all being younger don't have a reference, a frame of reference of what culture was like before the 60s. I do. I mean, I grew up in the 60s. I remember when Christians owned the culture. Yeah. And it was it was much easier to come to the Lord. It was um, it was not looked down on. Culture was pretty much uh, Christians were in the gate of culture. Nowadays, if you're younger than, say, the 70s if you grew up older than in the 70s you don't really even have a frame of reference for that kind of thing right 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 okay so i want to hit on a couple things that you just said there so first of all i think when people hear culture we got to take back culture if they're anything like me that was a very overwhelming abstract impossible concept like right like what How do you take back culture? That's ridiculous. Like what? So when I was first introduced to the seven mountains concept, I was reading the book by not Lance Wallnow. It's um, Johnny and Lowe. And, but Lance Wallnow teaches a lot on it. I've mentioned it on my podcast before, but um, you guys can get on YouTube and look up videos, seven mountains mandate or seven mountains, Lance Wallnow and find some good videos. But when I was first introduced to it, he defined what the seven mountains are originally Um, It was Bill Bright from Campus Crusade and uh, Lauren Cunningham, who both separately got words from the Lord about the seven mountains of culture. And And Francis Schaeffer. Oh, and Francis Schaeffer. All another denomination. (laughs) Look at that. And so, and I love that. There's three of them. And so the Lord spoke to them all separately about the seven mountains of influence, what shapes the culture. 
And those seven mountains are um, family, religion, education, government, arts and entertainment, media, and business. And those are the seven, basically the seven loudest voices, if you will, that shape the way that we think and create the culture that we experience. Like an American culture is different than the Indian culture or the Hispanic cultures, right? Cultures are different. And so these are the seven right. ways we can do that. Now, when I was reading about what it takes to impact a culture, it's actually very encouraging. We think, oh man, we've got to grow enough believers to take over yep. so hard. Yep. But actually it does, it's not by number. It takes one to 2% of any group that Amen. shape the entire culture of that group, one to 2%, but they just have to be the most influential one to 2%. So that's why TikTokers are literally shaping our culture because they are, even though there's maybe a handful or a couple handfuls of really, really influential ones, they're the ones whose voices are carrying the furthest. And so they're shaping part of the arts and entertainment industry over there on TikTok, right? Because their voice is loud. And so it's not so much about having mass numbers, it's about having them projected voice. And so pursuing influence and pursuing to be the most successful in your industry that there is, is actually a godly mandate because that's how your right, voice right. is influenced, right? So I kind of want to- That's how you're salt and light. Yeah, I wanted to connect those dots. Yeah. For all of my listeners, you guys will find yourselves in maybe these different these different mountains. Let's say you're a mother and you're raising your children right now. And you're like, I'm not on any of the mountains. You are actually in the family mountain. Right. You can ask the Lord, how do I be the most influential on this mountain? It could be simply the discipleship of your children, or it could be you create a blog. And involved in school boards. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Getting involved in school boards. What would be some other ways they could get involved in the family mountain? Helping young mothers. As they raise their children, giving them godly principles, um, taking someone under your wing and not just raising your own children, but helping another mother maybe in school that's not necessarily in church, yeah. understand how to raise their children with Christian principles. Or even, even if you're not going to go there, you could still raise them with Christian principles, even if they're not a Christian. I mean, that used to happen all the time. Yeah. Now, I find that a lot of people are actually going to have their hands and feet maybe on different mountains. Yeah. Um, I know you're, you're in business because you're a realtor. Um, you're in religion because you're, you have a ministry and you're, you're speaking into the church. You're in arts and entertainment because you're a writer and you have a voice into lots of entertainers lives. Um, how right. else do you see the Lord putting you in the mountain? Well, I have noticed usually there's a dominant gifting. Mm -hmm. Um, and that tends to be the mountain you're in the most, but you could have a real strong understanding of how to function in the other mountains and influence there. But I find my greatest authority is in the mountain where my dominant gifting is. Okay. And that is where God really anoints. And where would you say that is for you? For me, that is the um, arts and entertainment and entrepreneurship and technology. Th those are all creative giftings and that's um the arts too okay yeah that makes it's sense. all one thing that makes sense yeah I feel like I've always known I was called to ministry and so I've always done ministry and will always do ministry so I know my predominant one is religion 
Um, however, the Lord has moved me into business and media with my podcast and my business. And I, especially with my podcast, I feel like there's more opportunity for the expansion of my voice in that place. And so I feel like leaning into your main one, but recognizing the Lord's going to use you in different ones. So government, the Lord uses me in government through intercession. I have a, I have a a mandate on my life to intercede for the nation, for politics, for government. I don't want to be in government, but I'm definitely going to intercede for them, you know? Right. Right. And so anyways, okay. So let's move into this. So restoring the arts to the church, you talk a little bit about this ministry of reclamation that you feel like the Lord spoke to you and how the Lord moved you into why the arts and why the church and why pull them together. Well, you're going to have Kim Clement's bass player and best friend on next week, but this really, I remember when he came up with this little saying and it stuck with me, it was what you see you be. And it's more like, as a man thinketh, so is he. So that's why we're supposed to protect what goes in our eyes and what goes in our ears. Well, that's what culture gives you. Like your children and you too see the TV, you see, you hear the radio. It's all coming from culture. Not, I mean, if you look at the statistics, not many people are in church weekly. There is a, I would say 62% last time I looked, but still. So culture is what, makes those things and I wanted to give you a quick little aside story about influential Christians because that really is the key I used to think that too we had to have massive numbers but if you have strategically placed Christians and this happened on a tv show that I heard about I don't want to give anything away so I'm just going to be really vague but there was a very famous if I said the name you would know them strategically placed Christian leading role and there was kids on the show and they tried to get the kids they tried to begin to groom the kid into doing one of these sort of woke roles that they did not want to do and they were pressuring the writers were pressuring and pressuring and pressuring and so finally because they could not get any traction by just saying no they went to this strategically placed christian who stopped the whole thing from in its tracks and it did not get out into the culture that way your kids and my kids didn't see it and that was a very popular family show because of a strategically placed christian so that's how christians influence culture at the highest levels yeah. and that's a lot of what our prayer ministry is all about praying so for that, these people that are actually out there so that christian really served as like a gatekeeper and i feel like that's a distinct role that's worth noting is that sometimes like that gatekeeper, they may not be the famous person on the show that's the A-list actor, but they were in a role of decision-making and authority even that was able to prevent certain doors from opening. Right. That's important. So that's why I came to the same conclusion you did. It's strategically placed Christians. It's not that you have to have numbers. Yeah. That's really good. That's really important. So you, you share a little bit about the, not in the nineties, the Lord shared something with you. Oh yeah. The ministry of reclamation. Yeah. Well, that was during the whole Brownsville revival. I was actually there and uh, just felt that so strong. Well, I didn't really understand it till later when I came across it and started studying it and it's reclaiming ground. And in my case, it was ground that the church had abdicated and given up on which was culture american culture when i say culture for me i'm talking about american culture 
the church once owned culture, even as far back as the Renaissance, like they are the ones that paid to have the art, the great cathedrals and the frescoes and all this stuff you see in Europe. And even over here in the Ivy League colleges, the church funded those things. We actually dominated in that field. I understand that the church had some corruption going on back there, but for that, that part, they did good because they understood what people saw is what they became so that was like tv in those days the great works of art they own those and we have given up all that ground and I, I feel like it happened in the 60s when things got so crazy because this is all the time period I grew up in and I remember when every single album in, in, at least in country music, that's one of the fields we're in, had to have a gospel song on it. I remember when the Grand Ole Opera ended with a gospel song. I remember when Elvis was a scandal. I mean, all these things, it was because Christians owned the culture. And in those days, it was numbers. It was numbers that rolled the whole thing. You didn't get away with it. But somewhere in the 60s, as TV began to come into the culture and um, more of these sort of elite people began to rule the show they get they got more and more uh let they got less influential if you will and less able to have a say mm -hmm. in what got out into the culture mm -hmm. so nowadays we've come all the way over to just people that aren't even christian like elon musk freaks these individuals out yeah. just because he's trying to have a principle like free speech that's not even a religious principle right i mean Kind of he upsets them right he does he does because it's, he's the, it's this ruling class of people that kind of want to dominate what goes into culture yeah yeah so right. we're reclaiming ground to get back to your point that we never should have given up right so that brings me to my next question what religious beliefs did the church adopt that caused us to give up territory when we never should have I think the worse culture gets, the worse the world gets, the harder things become. The natural instinct is to hunker down. And we got into this bunker mentality. And I honestly, there was a time I was in it too, and just hunker down and wait for the rapture. Yeah. That was pretty much our thought processes. Whereas the Bible tells us very clearly to occupy our territory and to get out there and be salt and light, go into all the world. I also remember Kim saying this. He used to say, all the world, people, is not just Africa or Iran or ge geographical locations. All the world is Hollywood. It's systems. He didn't call them mountains. He called them systems. Yeah. Go into these systems and occupy and witness and be, a salt, be salt and light. I think that there was a movement of like, Jesus is coming back. Um, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's going to get real bad. So stock up on everything and go hide in a cave. And I don't know if that, I wasn't around when that was going on in a more major way, but I know there were some influential ministers who adopted that message as well. Yeah. as I mean, it just became prolific throughout the church, which in one regard, the one side of the coin is I think God was trying to prepare the church for like, Hey, the return is soon. Be about right be about the plow put your hands to the plow get the work the jesus movement in the 60s and they began to pull themselves out of culture yeah. be separate come out from among them well that means you and your character in your heart in your love for the lord it doesn't mean just abandon people mm -hmm. and that's how we took it just cut yourself off and hole up in the 
four walls of the church. I think that, I think that one thing that I notice in all of that, like the hunker down, Jesus is coming, take what you can, hide what you can, sit on the can, you know, like all that mentality, yeah. if we look at it, we might've put religious labels to it, but underneath it is fear. Fear yeah. that I'm going to be corrupted by culture fear that I'm going to miss the, miss the memo and not get taken up in the rapture feet, which is just ridiculous fear that, you know, I'm, I'm gonna endure these horrible atrocities and, and I just need to hide. That's very self-preserving. That's not the gospel. <laughs> and so it's it like, is. if we look at what drives certain beliefs, if fear drives it, it's not the gospel. It's not kingdom. No. Even that, like when, like right now, everyone's like, Jesus is coming any minute. You can feel it. I'm like, yes, obviously we're closer than we've ever been, but 42% of the world is still unreached and Jesus won't come. Right. Everyone has heard. So there's still a job right. to do. Stop hiding, get out there and do your job. <laughs> you know, find your mount, find your gift. It's no different than the the spiritual gifts you have a gift it's a tool yeah. find your tool and sharpen it and use it be a good steward of it and get out and influence yes so speaking of being a good steward you like to talk about occupying your territory so how would you explain how would you encourage people on, on a really practical level because i think sometimes when we say there's this big vision. We've got to be doing our part. So get out there and do it. It can still feel very overwhelming. So how on a, I'm a big believer that the big mandate on my life can always be broken down into daily, daily accomplishments. So like if I die tonight, there was a way for me to fulfill my calling of God today. You know what I mean? Like a king does not become a king suddenly well maybe they do but they're not made into a king suddenly they're made into a king by their daily decisions that prepare them for kingship and so what daily decisions and what daily pursuits can i make a priority that will enable me to occupy my territory and be prepared to be a king in my mountain well i always tell people to to occupy you have to actively be involved so once you figure out what your mountain is, what your sphere of influence is, then you get actively involved in that mountain, not just for your, if it's family, not just for your family, get involved in discipling other families, get involved in what affects your children for the arts, for us, we got involved in Hollywood, we are involved in painting benches and and any kind of arts program in the city, we even go to the art studio and do Bible studies. Well, that, that was typically a secular um, place, but they welcomed us with open arms. Come on in. And that's a place that the church was not going that we can go into and begin to just influence a little, be salt and light, you know? That's find awesome. your territory and then get actively engaged. That's why we called ourselves engaged. We are engaged in whatever mountain that God put us into, where our sphere of influence is. If it's a classroom for your child, then be the homeroom mother. Begin to be a, a covering for those other mothers. Begin to talk to them about Bible principles, a disciple, mentor, whatever. Be a coach. If you're a man, be a coach. Oh my God, we are lacking in male mentors like crazy right now. That is such an area of need that you could actively get involved and help young young men become godly men they are starving yeah. 
for that right now? I think a lot of, to speak to that very specifically, I think a lot of men shy away from taking a mentoring role because they immediately feel unqualified or like they become very aware of all their shortcomings and are like, I couldn't possibly ask someone to follow my example because I have my own issues, you know? Um, and that's not even what the young men want. They want um, companionship. They want somebody to bounce ideals off. They want somebody like uh, they didn't have fathers. So sort of a covering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they just need that voice of wisdom. The daughters do as well. Right, like, right. Being up in ministry, it was so hard, so hard to find mentors that carried my giftings and were available to mentor me. So hard. Like, Amen, amen. Yeah. And so I think, I think one way, just for examples, for people, I think sometimes we work better on examples. So me being in both the fashion, which I think follows under arts and entertainment, it also falls under business. Um, and then the media mountain, I found the opportunity to become of more influence in my area when I was asked to be on a podcast, a local podcast, and to talk about the trends of 2020. It was just, you know, fun little episode, didn't have a lot of views or listens. So I was like, whatever. Well, then a, a year and a half later, the director of our museum here uh, heard my episode and said, she needs to be over my runway show for my big event I'm going to do. And so I connected with him and he needed a lot of help. So I kind of became his right hand person with that event. And that event was successful. Donna helped me um, with it as well, pulling the bands in and everything. And so what I found though, is that my runway show, I prayed at the beginning of practice. I prayed at the beginning of like, before we did the runway show and the business owners that I pulled into my runway show were predominantly Christian women. And a lot of their models, not all of them, but a lot of their models were Christian women. And um, I was able to pull in some Christian ministries into it as well. And now we're planning next year's event. And next year's event, we're planning on making it bigger and better and pulling in more parts of culture and, and our local business and stuff. But I see how now Donna is on the board. I'm on the board. Our director, he's a Christian as well. And so it's a whole bunch of Christians putting this event together that is meant to pull the whole city in. So we're trying to find relevant and strategic ways to do it really well, make the entertainment factor top notch, but to also, we're going to have a prayer booth, you know, and, and then welcome a lot of Christians to come and just mingle and build relationships. And, and so I feel like influence grows a day at a time and interaction at a time and, and slowly, but that's and as you, as you serve too, yeah. as you serve your community, you become known, especially if you do it with excellence. Yes. Excellence is important. No one's going to want to hire you back if you're not excellent. <laughs> so talk about this idea of how prayer, faith, and works work together. Well, we found early on that none of this works without prayer, especially in our arts and entertainment mountain, because it has become so consumed with um, just an opposite mentality to Christianity. And so you almost have to go before everything you do with prayer for it to open up a way for you to actually affect the culture in that particular mountain. Some of the other mountains aren't, aren't as hard as that. When you're reclaiming ground, and the Lord told me this back in the 90s, that <clears throat> it was one of the toughest ministries you can get into. 
because you already gave up that ground and the enemy owns it. And now you're having to come back in and fight for it. The only way to do that is prayer. You yeah. cannot do it any other way. So we learned to pray real quick. And as we did that, like we would pray for um, going into the park and painting these benches and trying to paint them with very inspir inspirational things. Well, we had to pray about that mission and pray our way through that mission. And then we started taking on, because I started noticing people wanted to actually get out there and go into these mountains. And so we started taking on artists that were doing that. There's one lady we prayed for in the very beginning. She's in the theater district in uh, Houston. And we started praying for her. She was doing a play at that time. And we even went down there and supported her. Anything and everything we can do to support and help. And that was awesome. That was a wonderful moment. She was a Christian. And if you think Hollywood's evil, the theater, the whole theater industry or realm is, is even more than that. <laughs> so uh, without getting too much into that, that was tough for her. So we started praying for her. And then she got to do several little things that were witnessing and being a light to some people and then we took on another artist who's a singer and you know he's a country singer and we started praying through him and we've still we do whatever we can we do social media for him we help him um whatever he needs to support him we don't just pray we we're a support system but we also pray so everything we do with him we're, we're praying to figure out okay if we're going to go into this mountain how can we do it strategically where it impacts with the gospel even though it's a secular mountain and the lord has given us ideas on how to do it you really have to be strategic think strategically and then be creative i think christians get bogged down because they do not they try to think in the form of religion okay how can i do this thing in a secular industry but it's sort of a religious um behavior the way we've always done things and you just have to do it in a new creative strategic fashion to get in there and make it relevant yeah. to now yeah think forward okay what's relevant to now maybe you can't get in there and blast worship music into a system and have a big prayer meeting if it's a secular system but you can still get make an impact yeah. so i think you pray for strategy and then the other thing that I notice Christians do is they pray and then they just sit and they wait yeah. instead of like pastor said the other day, sometimes you got to get out there and just make things happen. Like yeah. you get up and you do faith without works is dead. You have to get out, get up, get out and make things happen. Sometimes my old Baptist press pastor used to say, you got to put feet to them prayers sometimes <laughs> F-E-A-T-S. So a lot of times Christians just sit and wait and wait and wait. And they find themselves 10, 15 years later, still waiting. Yeah. Get up and the Lord will begin to guide you and then just pray your way through as you do it, as you step out. One quality that I started to notice in scripture that I found the Lord demonstrating a lot of respect for is shrewdness, which there's even a story in the Bible of a shrewd manager who was actually a little deceptive about how he did what he was doing but he was credited with being shrewd. And I think, um, in fact, there was Abigail in the Bible. She was credited with being shrewd in how she handled the king who wanted to kill her husband, you know, and then she ended up marrying the king later after her husband died. And, um, and so there's people in scripture and there's a, a quality, in fact, where it says that 
um, that God's people should be shrewd as a serpent, cunning as a serpent, but gentle as a dove. And so there's a shrewdness and a strategicness that God's people should demonstrate because we're not just lambs. We're lions also. You know what I mean? We're not just doves. We're serpents also. You know, we're meant to have an aggressive go get, not over aggressive, but an aggressive go getter victor's complex where we're like, I've got this. God's behind me. I can do this. You know, like, I don't know why a lot of Christians think that it's like, I think they're afraid of getting their flesh in the mix. And I get that. You know, I, I understand that. But I think what's important is that we don't over-spiritualize our efforts and we just realize, you know what, I need to be able to put work to my faith, make this thing happen, but realize I can't make this thing happen apart from God's partnership. You know, God has to give me guidance so I can walk in. And when you walk in obedience, there's like a multiplied effect um, on, on those actions. And so it's a partnership, but it's definitely not this passive approach that the Christianity Amen. Has demonstrated. Prayer is such a strategic part, just so you can partner with God as you walk through the system. Pastor always says, isolate. I mean, insulate. Don't isolate. Hmm. You insulate with the word. You make sure you know what you're talking about. You learn your word. You read your word. Devour your word. And then you go out into the systems. We're literally light. So if you think about that, we're made, literally made to displace darkness. Hmm. So when you walk into your system, even if it's a little corner of the room, ask yourself, how am I displacing darkness in this arena that I'm in, in my influential mountain, even if it's a little part? Yeah. And yeah. God will honor that. Next thing you know, like our little prayer thing has turned into, we've probably taken on about seven or eight artists now that are in major upper level mountains going after these big national mountains god did that we didn't do that we just started praying for the person next to us that we knew was an artist yeah and started being obedient and he honored it yeah in conclusion share what jr tolkien's quote was he used to say um and, and if you're a lord of the rings fan you're gonna love this there is still some good in this world and it's worth fighting for it's one of my favorite quotes mm. so think about this what does your particular creativity carry and then fight for it, figure it out, and you'll find your authority and your influence on that mountain that you are called to. Become excellent at it, practice it, pray over it, ask God to use it for his glory, and he's faithful to do that. If it's a regional place, then that's fine. If it's a national platform, that's great, but he's going to guide you into your particular place of purpose. He has one for all of us. We're born with a purpose. Find that purpose and then go for it. It may not translate into a paying job, but you can still do it. You can do it at work. You can do it on the side. You can do it on the weekends. You can do it. Pray for places to be actively involved. There's nothing more fulfilling than finding that place of purpose and then being used for it for kingdom purposes, even if it's in the secular arena. Yeah. I love that. One thing that Ed Rush, who's a business coach that I follow, and he uses his prophetic gifting to, to coach people and how to make money in their businesses. 
Um, a, I love how he thinks so big. He's such a big thinker. So it's such a kingdom way of thinking because he thinks like a king. Yes. But he also talks about how um, he's like, if you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing, just look down and look at what's in your hands. What's already in your hands and you turn that into money, you turn that into influence. So like the, the little kid with the, the fish and the loaves in Jesus's miracle, they didn't go out and pray for God to provide something new. They just took what they had in their hands, asked God to bless it. He multiplied it and it fed the multitude with leftovers. And so anytime that I feel like what I have to offer isn't a whole lot, I remember that parable and I'm like, you know what, Jenilee, you've just been asked to be faithful and steward what's in your hands. What are you good at? What do people come to you asking for? What megaphone has God already given you? You know, when we get discouraged, like, oh, my podcast is only this many listeners or only this many countries, which it's all over the world now. So I'm grateful. But, you know, anytime know. <laughs> the enemy will try to discourage us and the Lord will always remind me, be faithful with what I've put in your hands. I'm the God of multiplication. Whatever. Yeah. He will. Amen. That's exactly right. Yeah. So people you, get overwhelmed trying to figure it out, but a lot of times just be faithful to what's in front of you. That's all we did. We had art supplies, paintbrushes, um, and a few people that wanted to get on board and we started praying into that and doing what we could with that. And it's just, expanded to where we actually are praying for people in Hollywood now that are on big national shows. How did that happen? Yeah, that was five years of just being faithful. Yeah. Donna, if people want to connect with your engaged ministry, let's say they live here in Southeast Texas and they're like, I want to get my hands dirty with you. Or let's say they're from around the country or even in another country and they want to partner with you by prayer. How can they connect with engaged? Well, we have a Facebook page. We have two, one that we all talk on a whole lot and then a professional page. It's engaged with the ED ministries on Facebook. Um, the email is engaged ministries at Gmail. Okay. I'm going to put those points of contact in the show notes. That way, if anybody wants okay. to go back and find a way to connect with you, they can, they can look in the show notes and do that. You guys don't go anywhere because we do have a life hack for you coming right up and then we'll wrap this episode. So don't go anywhere. Okay, so for today's life hack, it is very, very complimentary to this episode in that we are going to recommend, me and Donna both decided, we want to recommend that you, if this topic has interested you in any measure, even the slightest, go get the book on Amazon. I'll also put it, the website in the show notes. I'll put the link in the show notes to go get the book, Seven Mountain Mandate by Johnny Enloe. Oh. You can also watch the YouTube videos with Lance. Those are amazing. Yep. I will drop some of those links in the show notes. And those are a great, in fact, if you're like, hey, I don't have a lot of time, just go check out the videos with Lance. He does a great job covering that. And, um, but Johnny Enloe is who wrote the original book. And I'm telling you, when I read that book, I just felt like fireworks were going off in my spirit. There was Dang, so me too. Yeah, it, 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 was there, it was just so much anointing and destiny buried in the message of that book. I was like, yes. I this. so Amen. 
that's our life hack for you. Lastly, for those of you guys who love this idea, this is what I was going to mention earlier. I have designed a couple of t-shirts that are going to go up in the merch store to serve as a reminder to move your mountain. One of them says move mountains and the other one says engage the seven mountains and yeah. super cute t-shirts and they're perfect for the spring and summer. Um, so you can go to javawithjenmerch.com to go check those out. But otherwise, Donna, thank you for taking the time to share this, even though we had to <laughs> weed our way through some technical difficulties. Yeah, I can't wait for next week. I know next week is going to be so good. Y'all don't miss out next week. Donna connected me actually to Kim Clement's basis. Now, if you're not familiar with Kim Clement, he's basically one of the most profound prophets of our time who's gone on to be with the Lord, but his ministry has deeply impacted my life and he prophesied nationally and internationally. He's prophesied to presidents. He's, he's one of the most influential prophets of this generation and even this century probably. And, um, his bassist and best friend is going to be on my podcast next week. I met him today. We had a wonderful conversation, very prophetic. And we're going to dig into prophetic prayer, how to go into getting the heart of God and praying that and the way it will explode your prayer life. You, your prayers will go from, I hope I see something from this to, I know God hears me and answers my prayers. <laughs> Amen. So it's going to Amen. be great. Amen. So Donna, thank you for that. Thank you for the role that you play in my life and your encouragement. Absolutely. Prayer, it's it's made all the difference. So well, you're a blessing. Well, you are too. I thank you. Thank the Lord for you. So you guys go check out these links that Donna shared with you. And until next week, you keep trucking. God's got you. Love you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.